Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 240. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? Eh. Meh. How are you doing? Uh, meh. Nice. I'm, I don't know. I'm feeling a little meh this weekend. <laughs> Should be a high energy show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I woke up like half an hour ago, so, you know, I'm still, I'm still getting... I'm still waking up, essentially. Jeez. Goodness. I was up late last night watching some movies. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll get into it. This week on the show, we, we'll be looking at uh, Emiliano Roca Minter's We Are the Flesh. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases... Remember, you can join in on the conversation by sending us an email at podcast.filmpulse.net. We're sending us a tweet at FilmPulseNet. Remember, if you like what you hear, consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FilmPulse for just a dollar a month, and you'll be helping us out tremendously. Before we get into mm-hmm. our review, I had a couple people email me this over the years and months, uh, and I got one recently, and it was about, this, is, this comes from Dave. Uh, he writes in, hey, Film Pulse team, I just came across your Film Pulse podcast. It looks awesome. I've already got the recent episode about if there's a hell below and beyond the gates added to my queue. I'm curious about how you manage the logistics of Film Pulse, specifically things like how you host the episodes, create an RSS feed, edit and record the audio. I've read a few guides online, but I'm curious to know what real hosts are doing. I, I really appreciate that you call us real hosts there by the way <laughs> that just made our days yeah. the reason i ask is i'm thinking of doing a podcast myself and anything you could share would be a huge help thank you keep up the awesome work dave now i, I also i i like this because i'm also curious because i don't really know <laughs> myself well i'm adam handles I'm gonna everything tr- i'm gonna try to keep it brief so as to not bore people that don't care so to record uh, on my end, I use a Zoom H4n Pro audio recorder. I have that hooked into an XLR cable, and that goes into an Audio Technica ATR2100 USB. Uh, it's a dynamic mic. So Damn. I originally, uh, when we did the podcast early on, I used a Yeti, uh, a Blue Yeti mic, which is a very popular USB condenser mic and those are great for starting out however i moved into an apartment that is very kind of hollow it's got very high ceilings i have wooden floors and as soon as we moved in here and you'll you'll hear it on previous episodes it sounds very very echoey sort of like how kevin sounds now (laughs) and and has always sounded uh that's because it with a condenser mic it basically captures all of the audio in the room, they're very sensitive, so they can pick up a lot of background noise. Whereas a dynamic mic, you have to kind of really be up on the mic, and it only captures what's right in front of it. So I recently made that switch. Uh, the reason that I'm recording into the Zoom H4n Pro is because sometimes I travel and go to festivals and things, and this, is, this has a condenser mic built into it. And in case I do like interviews or something like that, I'll have a really nice high quality recording device with me. It's, I've only had it for a couple months, but I'm really, really enjoying it so far. So that's how I record my end. Now, recording Kevin, he has... <laughs> I, lo- I like the disparity between your end and my end. <laughs> he has... Like super technical and I'm just like, I got a blue snowball yeah. plugged into the side of my computer. <laughs> So he has a blue snowball currently. Um, I will be, I did send him my blue Yeti. He has to just go pick it up from Ryan. Uh, so hopefully he'll be upgrading soon. It's not, a hu- it's not a huge upgrade, but those mics are nicer. They do capture a better sound quality. Uh, to, to record his audio, uh, we do two things because I like to have backups just in case one of them fails. Kevin records his audio on his end with uh, just with audacity. 
and then I record his audio as a backup using a program called Audio Hijack Pro uh, on my Mac. And that is, uh, that can record Skype or Google Hangouts conversations. Uh, we originally used Skype. Uh, we used Skype for years to, to do the podcast because we would, early on, we did a lot of interviews and we would have people come in through Skype. Recently, over what, the last two, two years maybe? Year and a half? Yeah, I think so. We switched to Google Hangouts just because it's, it's way more stable. We just don't have as many issues with Google Hangouts. We set up a Hangout, you create a link, and it just, you use the same one every time, and it's just a lot easier. Uh, after, yes, much, much easier. after I record, record my stuff and his stuff, I use Adobe Audition to piece it together and edit it. Then I use Audacity to um, normalize it and to... Uh, you, there's a feature in Audacity called Truncate Silence. Now, I'm sure that Audition can do this too, but with Audacity, it's, it's a, just a lot easier. It's just a click of a button. Um, and what it does is it basically eliminates uh, large blocks of silence. So if there's a lull in the conversation where there's like five seconds where we don't talk, it automatically eliminates that. Um, I would recommend using that tool, but you definitely want to play around with it to hit that kind of good point where there's not, because if, if you don't do it correctly, it sounds like everybody's just talking nonstop and fast forward, and it sounds very odd. So just make sure you tweak those settings. Uh, after that, after we get everything mastered, uh, we use Libsyn as our podcast provider. Uh, it's like 20 bucks a month, and it creates the RSS feed, and you can enter all the metadata and all that stuff into Libsyn, and it'll automatically update your iTunes and whatever other podcasts that you subscribe to. Uh, it'll send it automatically to those feeds. We also use SoundCloud. Uh, that's sort of recent. I think we've probably been using SoundCloud for like a year. That's like 15 bucks a month. And it's just another platform to, to get the uh, podcast on. And I use uh, SoundCloud embeds for Patreon and for the website because I like the way that the embeds look and work. And they, they seem to be a more standardized audio player than what we have used in the past. So that's just a brief overview. If you guys have any specific questions or anything, just feel free to, to send me an email. You can send an email to podcast.filmpulse.net, and I'd be more than happy to answer specific questions. It's far from perfect, where I'm always kind of tweaking it and changing things around and trying to make our show sound better without having to spend 12 hours editing an episode, because that sucks. Yeah, no one wants to do that. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's so funny because when we did, you know, last week was we were celebrating our five year anniversary with the site, and on a whim, I went back and listened to episode one of the podcast, which no, I which I, which I like Don't to do. do. I, I like to do it every couple of years just to just to remind myself how far we've come. Uh, because if you go back and listen to episode one, and I think it's still available. I think you can actually. I think. I don't know if iTunes has, maybe they limit it to 100 episodes, but um, I'm sure if you look on the website and go, go to the, the podcast section of the website, you can go back to episode one and listen to what a fucking train wreck that was. <laughs> I mean, Kevin, Kevin was using his, I think you were using your built-in like, mic on your computer. Yeah. And it, it was so awful. And and the only way that I could talk into is I had to have it like right <laughs> to my mouth. So if I had to look at the computer, I had to back up and look real quick and then lean in yeah. to my computer mic at the top. It was it was it's pretty much perfect, I think. Yeah. I mean content wise, it was pretty dismal. Quality wise, it was a night it was just really bad. I was using a snowball at that time too. Which is the one Which I is the one yeah. Yeah, it's a good mic. Don't get me wrong. It's for the price. It's a really good mic. But if you're going to get into podcasting, I would say start off with the Blue Yeti. I think they're a hundred bucks and it's a really good quality mic. I mean, I used it for, I don't know, two, two years at least, probably three years. 
Uh, and Ryan used a blue Yeti for a long time, too, before he switched. He has, uh, I can't remember what mic he has. It's like an ATR 2020 or something like that. He, he, has, a, he has a pretty good mic, too. I think he's also switched to a dynamic mic. Uh, I should also mention the, the mic that I use, uh, it's kind of a special case. It has XLR output as well as USB. Uh, that's how I'm able to use one mic while I talk with Kevin on the computer and record into my audio recorder because it has a split output, which is uh, really nice. I think that there's other mics that do this, uh, but it's this is a relatively inexpensive mic too. So I would definitely recommend uh, checking that one out. Again, that's the Audio-Technica ATR2100 USB. So... Hope that helped some of you out looking to get into the whole podcasting thing. I will, I will say don't do it if you expect to make money or if you want to make money, don't do a podcast. The, the amount of podcasts on, on line right now, it's ridiculous. And even if you do pick up a couple sponsors, um, a lot of those sponsorships are based on how many people visit your affiliate link. So if it's like, go to, you know, audible.com slash film pulse, uh, and you sign up for audible, then, you know, we would get a cut of that. And if you only have five listeners a month, odds are they're not going to be going to your audible affiliate link. So it's a tough, it's a tough thing. And I would say really only do it if you are passionate about it and don't mind not making money from it. So the movie we're talking about this week, we are the flesh. I have a synopsis here. After wandering a ruined city for years in search of food and shelter, two siblings find their way into one of the last remaining buildings. Inside, they find a man who will make them a dangerous offer to survive the outside world. Uh, eh, I'm not really sure about that last bit. This is written. Sure a lot of it really. Yeah, this is written and directed by Emiliano Roca Minter. Uh, before we get into it, I, I wanted to, to read some of the IMDb plot keywords for this one. <laughs> All right. Cause this, this may, these plot keywords will be the deciding factor on probably a lot of you if you want to see it or not. Uh, so th- these are just the first few that are listed in order. Right. Exposing yeah. one's vagina, woman urinating, right. labia. Mm-hmm. Female pubic hair, erect yes. penis. Yes. <laughs> and that is this movie in summary. Mm-hmm. So if you actually click on the more plot keywords, it gives you another Oh, one, yeah. Which uh, gives you a clear idea of what you're dealing with. Yeah, there's... there's uh, <laughs> we are the flesh. Yeah, there's a whole list here. Incest, cannibalism, necrophilia, you name it. This movie's got it. So... That being said, Kevin, what did you think of We Are the Flesh? Uh, early on, gotta say, I was I was into it. I mean, I know I wouldn't say that I was really into it, but uh, I thought it was intriguing enough. I liked the look of it, the cinematography. Um, Noah Hernandez, who plays the the main the man, Mariano, that, uh, yeah, that has this uh, this fortress or whatever that he's kind of living in. Uh, I thought he gives a pretty solid performance there at the beginning. And, uh, it's just like, he's just going all out, which was, which was pretty great to see. Like, he's just completely unhinged. I mean, he's out of his mind, really. <laughs> and you just, you know, it's, and it's essentially, it's silent at the beginning because it's just him mm-hmm. living alone. Mm-hmm. And it's him making this concoction, you know, brewing this alcohol. And then I guess, you know, he makes it super, super strong. And he's just eye dropping it in his mouth, and he's just losing his fucking mind, banging drums. Um, there were some creative flourishes, some decisions that I wasn't a hundred percent on board with. I mean, at first, there's this this is a spinning camera thing. The camera just kind of spins around, mm-hmm. and everything goes upside down, and it's just. A, and the first time that happens, it was like, eh, you know, I'm not really into that. But you know, I guess good for you for trying something out. The the fact that he ends up going back to that like six or seven times, just it just starts to irritate you after a while. Yeah. He, and then there's just, there's a large chunk too, where there's just, 
there's nothing happening. Yeah, and, and he he also does a lot of kind of psychedelic, almost visual filters and things. Like he uses that heat, that thermal filter, and there's yeah, another one where he does this kind of I don't I don't know how it almost looks like a 3D, like a yeah. like the you know the old style blue and red 3D. And I I just wasn't on I didn't really like any of that stuff no, too much. No. I mean, it caught me early on with him, you know, brewing his concoction, losing his mind. And then there's just that out of nowhere cut to like this amber hand coming out of like a dark void. And then it just cuts back and it's like, oh, shit, this is going to be out there. Yeah, that was cool. I was like, this is okay. We set this up. And then the brother sister show up and it just goes into this like, we're going to shock you now. And it's just, oh, it's just terrible. It just gets progressively worse <laughs> as it goes on. And I just, like, it lost me. Like, I, you know, somewhat after the, the brother and sister show up after that point, because it really starts to drag there. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just lost me to the point where I'm like, let's get this fucking thing over with. Yeah, uh, they, they show up and he has them do these kind of chores, which basically entail taping things together using lots of which- tape. Which, I mean, that was something. I mean, they built this huge cave. Yeah, it was interesting. With cardboard and stuff. And it's, you know, it's interesting to see the actors building their own set at the time. And, you know, once they finally get it done, it is impressive. But they just don't do anything after that. I mean, they do a lot of stuff, but it seems like it's mostly shocking for the sake of being shocking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just, it doesn't work. At least for me, it didn't. Yeah, this is definitely a film designed to shock and appall the audience. It's uh, I've seen people comparing it to Sallow, uh, which I guess on a on a con on like a context level, it's uh, because from what I understand, he was trying to make a similar statement as Sallow, where he's trying to. It's some sort of allegory on the state of Mexico, yeah. but I admittedly don't know really what's happening in Mexico as far as their their morality and if it is somehow waning. I, I don't really know what's going on there with that. Yeah, it. I don't know. It just it, to me it didn't work. Like I understand what he's going for. And it, it, you know, like you admittedly, you know, maybe with my ignorance, I'm just not seeing it. But I just, I don't see that connection. No, I didn't either. Uh, I really didn't either. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a shock film. It's designed to, it's, it's kind of the blurring the line between art and porn. There's a lot of really graphic sex. There's, there's some, I believe, full penetration. It seems like I, it. I'm. I'm. I could be I'm wrong. pretty sure. I mean, like they don't show it. I mean, you can pretty much see everything. But a lot of times, I was like, "Is that a fake dick?" Yeah, <laughs> that's why I, I kept thinking this. They didn't look. Yeah, I, I'm pretty. They didn't look real. I'm pretty sure most of the dicks were fake. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm analyzing the, the the realness of the the penises in this. Uh, yeah, they didn't seem real. But there was just a lot of things that felt. And, and, may, and I know this is probably the intent where it just felt uh, unnecessary. Like the, the, it was like the scene, there's a scene involving dripping something into someone's mouth. And I have to believe that the only reason that's there is to be like, just to, to completely disgust the audience. Yeah. And it worked. I was like, Oh God, <laughs> it's pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, at first it is, but after a while, because it's just, it seems like that, because it's kind of one note. Yeah. Like, at first it kind of gets you like, oh, geez, this is what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, but... but once you wade into, you know, waist high, you're just kind of like, oh, this is... Yeah, like, by the <laughs> by the can- by the time they hit the cannibal orgy, I was just like, yeah. I was actually bored by that point. I was, mm-hmm. I was oh, just yeah. like, okay... Uh, let's, let's, it, makes, let's it. it makes less and less sense because you know you have the guy and they show up and they have to do things for him so they can eat eggs which 
it doesn't make any sense to me because they talk about, you know, like we've been wandering around. We haven't been finding anything. You seem to have supplies. So we're going to stay with you. But then the, the ending just nixes that altogether. It's like, surely you could have found something better than a crazy man with eggs. There has to be other yeah, <laughs> options I, out there. I, th- I think the, the first problem that we're running into here is that we're trying to make logical sense of this narrative and it just doesn't it's one of these movies where as soon as you think you have a grasp on what's going on they just they're like no that's not it it's this crazy it's something else because, yeah because that, and then that's, they, you know they start bringing people back and you're like oh okay so they're they're finding other survivors that may and then all of a sudden it, it, it's like a huge party yeah they're having a birthday bash and there's tons of people there and you're just like okay where did you find all of these people yeah where did they where did they all come from and that was kind of the the thing that frustrated me a little bit about this is that you would have this kind of weird surreal shock moment and then you would have bits of plot afterwards and then the plot you just you feel like okay well this is we're at least progressing the narrative here but then they would throw that all away and just show another bit of cra- yeah. of crazy weirdness and yeah, because it it felt like the plot narrative stuff was just an afterthought. Like, oh, we just got to plug some stuff in here to warrant or justify these shock moments. Mm-hmm. But I don't. To me, it didn't work. It was just it was just shock moments, really. I've seen people compare this film to the films of Gaspar Noe, which I could see that. Um, I've read people comparing it to Jodorowsky. That is, I think, a little bit a little bit of a stretch. Because I feel like Jodorowsky at least has um, like a clear message and and some sort of semblance of a narrative structure to his movies. Plus, he also has like an immense amount of creativity. Yeah, and there's just and and also, not really much, I mean, you just, it's just constantly like spinning camera. Yeah, and like I mean, comparing comparing the visuals between those two directors, I think that. Jodorowsky has him beat by a mile. I didn't actually find this to be that visually appealing. I, I really wasn't. I don't know. That just didn't grab me. There was there was nothing that really. I mean, I felt like I've seen this locale a million times before, and I just didn't feel like you know, like like you said, the kind of red hand thing going into the black liquid or whatever. Yeah. Like that was cool, but he he only does it twice, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And Plus, you also just got this is such a familiar color palette. Yeah. When you're considering these post-apocalyptic dystopian films, you know it's just it's all tan everything mm-hmm. with with some amber in there and gray, and it's just it's not there's just really nothing happening. What did here. What did you think about the the final scene at the very end, like the big <laughs> reveal? I kind of figured it because of the party. But when the final reveal happens, it was just kind of like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, fucking break. Oh, God. Like, th- that, that's, that's what all this was for. It was to build up for that moment. I, see, I, just, I, wanted to throw the, I just wanted to throw everything. It's funny. Like, a lot of people are loving this movie, and I, and I don't, I just don't see it. I don't either. I mean, I, honestly, I will say, in the beginning, no Hernandez. What he's doing, I thought that that was, to me, that's the highlight of the movie. But there comes a point where, like, his performance kind of changes. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not as, it's not as compelling yeah, it's, as it was in the beginning. Because, I mean, like, he is fully committed in the beginning. He is out of his mind. Yeah, he's a nut with the drums and... Oh, my goodness. Is that weird, like, like, that pillow backpack thing? And just the look on his face yeah. and how he's, like, crumpled over... I mean, it is a physical performance, and it's really impressive, but there comes a point in time where that changes, and just, like, all the wind comes out of the sails. It's just it's just nosedive into nothing, and then a spinning camera, and then again a spinning camera, and then it's like, oh, what can we do? Oh, we'll have the brother and sister have sex again, and then we'll have someone wail. We'll do some wailing, mm-hmm. and then we'll have the brother and sister have sex again. It's just like, we get it. We get it. You're edgy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're so edgy. We get it. The brother and sister are now nymphos for each other. Cool. Because even at, like, this movie's not long. No, nah, it's, what, now? It's relatively short, just, but 
it does not feel that way. No, I I agree. It's I think it's just over an hour and a half. And I don't even think it's that. Is it? I think it's shorter than that. Well, either way, yeah, it it feels pretty long. Because going into it, I was you know I'm pretty stoked looking at it. you know IMDb shows oh, yeah. an hour and nineteen minutes. Yeah, so it's not even an hour and a half. So I'm like, oh right, perfect, a movie made for my lifestyle. <laughs> but then it it lies. It lies. It doesn't fit. That I'm pretty sure it's not an hour and 19 minutes. There's no way. Something weird going on. It does feel very long. But that's, that's how a lot of these kind of experimental films are, for me at least. Because if I'm not on board, these types of movies instantly feel like they're taking an, an eternity. Well, yeah. And it's because they keep going to the same, you know, the like, quote-unquote art house style where it's just like slowly slowly move the camera forward in an empty hallway and we just like you know and then we'll like we use that as filler or they use that as filler constantly it's just like empty room camera slowly pulls in (laughs) dolly shot what could what could be going on it's just like why don't you fucking tell me like get to it what are we doing why are we so enamored with this hallway what's happening in this hallway nothing happens in this hallway except someone pees in the hallway someone jerks off in the hallway that's it. As far as hallways go, pretty uneventful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, from what I understand, this dude is, the director is pretty young. He's, uh, this doesn't say how old he is, but I think I read something that's, that said he was a very young director. Maybe that's why he thinks this is edgy. He did work on uh, Miss Bala, uh, which was a film that I... That was a solid film. Yeah, I liked that one. And it also had uh, the... Uh, Main guy. I think Hernandez was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, hmm. No, thank you. No, this one didn't do it for me either, unfortunately. Let's go ahead and give it a score. We are the Flesh. I will give a... Oh, boy. Let's say a 2.5 on that one. Wow. Watch out. I'm only like a 2.5, 3. 2.5, 3. I'll say 3. No, I'll say 3. I'll give it a 3. He's going with a 3. I'm going with a hard 2. It's just... Yeah, there's just uh, not a lot here, unfortunately. I think the, the the message that it's trying to say is just not that interesting in the end. Yeah, and I think it's just, it's a message that we've seen how many times? Debauchery. Oh boy, watch out. Yeah, like our country is getting too lame. Let's spice it up. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, Mexican audiences are different. Maybe we're missing something. I'll at least give it that. I'll grant it that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. All right. That's We Have the Flesh. That's on VOD, playing limited release right now. Let's dive into our watch list. I have very little on my watch list uh, because we have Slam Dance coming up. So I've been checking out some of the slam dance 2017 offerings but i can't talk about them yet so kevin we'll start it with you Got anything good on your watch list oh all right let's jump into it i have one from 1973 and that's the spook who sat by the door this is directed by ivan dixon who is the i know him from being the lead in the movie uh, nothing but a man which to me is like one of the best movies ever so this is his second film that he directed, and he only ever directed two films, okay? And it kind of makes sense after watching The Spook Who Sat By The Door. I don't know how this got made or how it made it into movie theaters, but apparently, I guess he tricked them into thinking that it was like a black exploitation movie, just like any other, and it kind of made it into theaters. And then apparently, like, the FBI pulled it because they were worried uh, of its message, which is... A, Essentially, it starts off where they have to integrate the CIA. Mm-hmm. They're like, we, we got to get, get a black guy in the CIA. So they go through this whole process, and the main character, played by Lawrence Cook, ends up making it into the CIA. He works there for quite some time, does a good job and everything, and then he decides to leave and go back to his home city and become like a community organizer. But what he's actually doing is going back and getting all the gangs together and he's training them with all of his knowledge from the CIA in order to essentially go to war with America. So he ends up creating all these cells across America and all these cities 
and apparently it essentially just creates like black armies and just and then just shit hits the fan and it's just them versus the army oh man i want to see this and the the national guard and stuff and uh you know for 1973 you're like holy shit like how how did this happen but you can also kind of understand now why yeah that was probably his i can kind of see why this is his last film uh unfortunately it it translates really well to the current political climate yeah which is really dismaying and it's one of those movies that i mean this thing needs to be restored and reissued this needs a proper release because it is man it is something it is i mean you oh boy how did you how did you see this this is actually you can watch this on YouTube. Uh, one of those deals. One of them deals. So I'm guessing the quality is stellar. Uh, it's not bad. Uh, I'll say that it's not it's, for YouTube. It's not too bad. Right, I mean, it's doable. But when you you know you try and look around and find like a Blu-ray of this thing, is it on Blu-ray? I don't think it is. is it- because I've been trying to watch this one for like three years, three four years probably, and then I finally remembered that there's movies on YouTube. Yeah, no, I always forget that too. That just if you're looking for something really obscure, just search YouTube and it might be on there. Yeah, I found a lot of really weird stuff on YouTube. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of got. Uh, there's a couple of days where I kind of got sucked into that kind of a K hole on YouTube, which is just searching for all these movies that I can never find. Which is so funny because you have these movies that probably hold a copyright, and they're they're up on YouTube. You can watch them, and yet one of our videos got a copyright strike this week. And, oh yeah, yeah, and it was a se- was it? it was a segment of the podcast that was up on YouTube, and this is why I don't do YouTube anymore. I, we had a segment of the podcast up on YouTube, and I get an email with not not a copyright claim. It wasn't content ID'd. When you, when you get the way that YouTube works, when you get a content ID claim, uh, the video stays up there. You just can't make any money from it. If you get a copyright strike. That that actually hurts your account. You can only get, you know, it's a three strikes you're out type of thing. If you get three of them, they delete your account. Uh, and when you get a strike, you have to go through this uh, basically copyright class and you have to take a test and it puts limitations on your account as well. So we got a copyright strike this week. I don't care because... At this point, the only thing I use YouTube for is posting videos um, or, or like trailers and things. I, I don't make too much video content anymore for that reason alone. Because yeah. I just it's fun because we haven't we haven't posted anything to YouTube in God knows how long. Yeah, I know. It's like they, <laughs> they finally got this us. was a yeah. This was from last year. I don't I don't remember who did it. I'm not going to say who it was, but uh, yeah. I mean, I could fight it. But it's like, what's the what's the, what's the point? It it does remove one strike every three months as long as you you know keep keep yourself keep your account clean. So after three months, it should go away anyway. But uh, at any rate, that's my little YouTube rant and why we're not on YouTube anymore. That's the spook who sat by the door. I think I'll be definitely adding this. Check it, yeah, check that. Check it out. Oh man. Uh, I saw Tony Erdman. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this is one that... It came out the tail end of last year. Uh, unfortunately, I was not able to sneak it in before I made my top of the year list. It it definitely would have broke my top 20, for sure. It must... But this is, one of, this is the, the film of the year, really. This one in Moonlight seemed to be having everyone going ape shit yeah this this one it might have broke my top 10 i'm not i'm not really sure i didn't think about it too much uh it's a comedy about uh, it's directed by Marin aid and it's a comedy about a man who is he's having kind of a distant relationship with his daughter because his daughter is this crazy workaholic and he sees it as being kind of a problem. She's just stressed out all the time. She's just constantly working. So he decides to pose as a uh, like a life coach for her boss, the CEO of this company. And it's just a it's a it's a funny movie. It's kind of it's kind of bizarre. It's kind of quirky. 
but it's it's very touching and it, it has some really kind of heartfelt big moments in it uh, and I enjoyed it tremendously it's it's a long one it's like two hours and 45 minutes long so it's kind of an epic story but it's totally worth it and it is you know we were talking about comedies and how all the comedies were pretty weak but this one's definitely up there again i would not call this a pure comedy as as we talked about yeah in our year-end episode but it's uh it's still absolutely worth checking out um very funny and it's yeah tony erdman I, it's not out yet on I don't think it's out on VOD yet. I don't think so. But keep an eye out for it. Add it to your your uh, watch lists and whatnot because it's definitely one worth seeking out. I think, I think that's one of those movies you know that when it plays festival, everyone kind of went nuts for it. Yeah, I think it was up for the Palme d'Or. I don't know if it won. And then, you know, like everyone's talking about, talking about, and then you kind of realize, like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to get to see this for a year. Yeah, everyone's already going, going crazy for it. I could see this. I'm I'm sure that this is on the short list for uh, foreign language film at the Oscars. Will it win? I don't know. It's. I think it's kind of rare that a comedy would win, but the fact that it's in a foreign language will give it bonus points. Yeah, that's how it works. English language foreign or English language comedies will probably not even get a glance by the Academy, but because it's in a foreign language makes it smarter yes it makes it more sophisticated correct subtitles and but it, subtitles it, scream sophistication i mean in, in the defense of that in, in a way this is definitely more sophisticated than a lot of the american comedies that we had in 2016 it is uh <laughs> it's, it is definitely a lot smarter and it's I wouldn't say it's funnier because it's not. It's not like it made me lose my shit or anything. But he does like to wear these weird false teeth and this wig throughout the movie, and it's quite humorous. <laughs> and then, uh, it takes it takes a lot of kind of crazy left turns too, where you're just like, okay, they're they're gonna do that, all right. And he wears this really awesome costume at the end uh, that's pretty amazing. So, Tony Erdman, check it out. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. <clears throat> I watched uh, Scarlet Street from 1945. This is a Fritz Lang film. Uh, this is Edward G. Robinson plays this cashier that uh, makes a decent living. And it, like on Sundays, he likes to paint. And he's out walking home, runs into this young woman getting accosted on the street, played by Joan Bennett. And they kind of get to talking. He kind of misrepresents himself because she asks if he is an artist. And he's like, yeah, but he doesn't give the full story that he's actually a cashier and he doesn't make a shit ton of money. But he kind of lets that hanging in the air. So she thinks that he's the super famous artist that makes boatloads of money. So her and her boyfriend decide to just fleece this guy. And Edward G. Robinson is a sad sack that is married to a woman that treats him terribly, and he's essentially just being emasculated constantly. So this is like right up his alley. He's like, oh, my God, this young woman, this young, pretty woman is giving me attention. So he just, he goes all in, and uh, it ends up destroying him, obviously, because he doesn't have money, and she needs money, and he finds ways to get it for her. And uh, it's a pretty solid film, and... The, the ending of this is quite something for 1945, how everything just kind of falls apart on him. And then, you know, there's murder. There's some murder in there. Mm. It gets murdery towards the end. Mm. Yeah. And uh, people lose their minds. And uh, it, it kind of <laughs> gets serious real quick at the end. Mm. Like it's kind of just like your standard like noir type where, you know, double crossing people and, you know. An enjoyable time, and then all of a sudden, shit gets real. Nice. Well, keeping with that theme, I saw the Ardennes, which is kind of similar the, to the movie that you described, where it's you know it's a little bit of a slow burn, and at the end, we have a very violent conclusion. This is directed by Robin Pront. It's a Belgian film. It's out now on VOD, I believe. Uh, so basically, this is about a two brothers. They 
are criminals. They attempt to home invade someone and I guess steal, like burglarize their home. Uh, but it goes wrong, and one of the brothers ends up going to prison for he gets a I think a seven year sentence, and he gets out in four years. And in while he's in prison, the other brother decides. Well, he he ends up falling in love with the guy, his brother's girlfriend. So, so they get together. Uh, they they've been together for two years. By the time he gets out, and they have a, a baby on the way. She's pregnant. Oh, so he he gets out and they've cleaned they've cleaned up their act since then. So, you know, he's not drinking, he has a job, he's not doing any kind of criminal activity, and his his girlfriend, she's in AA, she's not drinking, she's taking care of herself, she has a steady income as well. So they're you know, they're cleaning themselves up. She's going to classes, like night classes and stuff. He brother gets out everything goes to shit. Like he, he tries to clean his act up as well when he gets out of prison, but you know, things, things go very sideways for them and it ends up uh, turning into a pretty violent conclusion. Uh, There was, I mean, it's okay. It's a, it's sort of a slow burn crime drama. I would call it Uh, not a lot happens until the end where the, the violence, the violence does kind of ratchet up at the end and there's a uh i don't know eh, this isn't too much of a like spoiler or anything but there's something involving ostriches which is funny there's an ostrich attack that occurs <laughs> the two brothers get attacked by ostriches <laughs> uh, you don't see that no you don't <laughs> you definitely don't and it's kind of interesting uh the guy from borgman's in it uh john does he get Jova? attacked by ostriches no, but he is he's there. He's there when it happens, but he doesn't personally get attacked. Is he the ostrich wrangler? No, no. He just is happens to be living in the area where the ostriches <laughs> have escaped in the Ardennes. You essentially sold me on this movie because of the ostriches. It's not it's not a bad movie. It's just there's nothing amazing about it. Like when you see it after the credits start to roll, you'll be like, Oh, okay. Like that. Well, and I think from what you're you're saying, it sounds kind of familiar. It is. It's yeah. there's nothing amazing about it. The cinematography is fine. It's nothing incredible. There are a couple of shots here and there that will make you be like, oh, okay, well that that looks really great. Um, the yeah, the the story itself is just like meh. The characters are a yeah, little bit sure. flat. I mean, they're they're kind of stereotypical characters. Um, there's a one twist that happens towards the end that. I didn't see coming and was pretty shocking to me. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's a solid crime crime drama. So it's the Ardennes. All right. Well, my next film, I forgot to uh, I forgot to look up how to pronounce this, so I have no idea. Uh, it's a Russian film. It's spelled V I Y. So I I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce that. This is from 1967. Uh, this is based on a Google story, and. Uh, this is was, was part of my YouTube K hole. I've, I've been looking for this one for a while. Found it on YouTube. Nice. So watched it. It's, uh, it's relatively short, seventy-seven minutes long. Uh, even within that time, it kind of drags at places, and it becomes a bit tedious. Uh, it's about a, a young priest who they kind of they're at the seminary and they they get to go on break, which is it's interesting because as soon as they leave, they just they steal everything from the market. Like as they're going back to their homes or wherever they're spending their vacation, um, he has a run-in with a witch. Okay, this old lady witch who essentially forces him to be a horse and then rides him around for a while, and then carries him up in the sky and flies around with him and then drops him. And uh, he doesn't react um, too nicely. Kind of essentially beats her to death. Mm. And <laughs> turns out it's not an old lady; it's a really young girl. That's this witch, and uh, she ends up dying. So before she dies, she's like, "I have to have this guy come and do the last rites." You know, she's got to spend three days, three nights with her, and kind of, you know, save her soul, get prepare it for the afterlife. Uh, and he doesn't want anything to do with it because he knows she's a witch. No one else does, but he knows. And uh, great use of practical effects. 
and it's another great thing is the the painted backdrops you know like the landscapes and stuff i just miss that mm-hmm. you know what i mean like the I did, that's i don't think that's ever going to come back yeah. but man i miss them even when they're not that great <laughs> there's still just something about them uh and some of the practical effects are they're a little sketchy but you know it's 1967 it's a russian film so even even when they're not you know at their greatest there's still something about them that you, you know they're kind of endearing so the three nights is just him getting attacked by this dead witch because she comes back to life and then you know kind of attacks him uh the first two nights are kind of repetitive because he just creates this like force field with a piece of chalk on the floor and it's just her like trying to get through the force field and then the third night it all culminates with they just do everything okay there's ghouls there's ghosts there's hands coming out of the wall there's the the titular character comes out he's this huge monster and it just everything goes batshit okay which is fantastic because up until this point you're like okay this is kind of like a cool ghost story fairy tale type thing but it's kind of tame and then they just pull out all the stops so the ending just about makes up for it like you almost have to watch this thing just to see the end Mm. because oh boy there's just there's everything comes out to attack this guy. Cool, and that's Vi or V. Sure, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I just know how to spell I'll it. I'll have to ask my Russian coworker how to pronounce. There you go. It. Uh, I saw Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Perfect transition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not into this one. I didn't expect to be, but I was just looking for something light because yesterday I saw some kind of heavy movies. Uh, we are the flesh to be specific because <laughs> I, I watched we are the flesh and the Ardeans back to back and both of those are pretty heavy so I was like all right I need a palate cleanser check out Mike and Dave need wedding dates uh, it's one of the comedies from 2016 that I that I missed that didn't care about too much uh, my suspicions were correct I did not like this one it just I didn't find it to be that funny there were a few moments but eh, you know eh. It's funny because there's there's a lot of really good talented people in this. I like Zac Efron, I like Adam Devine, I like Anna Kendrick, and I like Aubrey Plaza. But and and Stephen Root plays the dad. I always like Stephen Root as well. So there's a lot of good, you know, talented people in this. I just wasn't really on board with any of it. Like having Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza play these kind of uh like white trash girls it just i wasn't buying it from the beginning (laughs) like i just wasn't feeling it and i don't know it just didn't it didn't work for me this one Hmm. not not yeah it doesn't look like i said there's there's a few moments but by and large not my cup of tea yeah does it looks very forgettable it is yeah uh i went through theater withdrawal and i ended up going to see silence the new Scorsese. This is interesting because I was into this one and I didn't see it yet. And you didn't see it. <laughs> I, I made fun of it numerous times. And I, well, what it came down to is we had to go to the theater, right? And there was two options. There was Silence and there was Live by Night, the new Affleck. I was down for either one. I said, I don't care. I just want to go to the theater. So it ended up being Silence, um, which I didn't know was three hours. I learned that like right before we walked out the door. So I was really unhappy <laughs> going into this one. I don't know what it is. I, did, I don't know if it was just because I haven't been in a theater setting for so long that the, the three hours, I mean, they just flew by. It doesn't feel like a three-hour movie. It felt shorter than We Are the Flesh. Let's say that. Um, so either that's a testament to Scorsese or that's just me being super excited to be out of the house. Um, I got to say I like this one. I had pretty low expectations going in. Uh, from the outset, I'm curious because it's a religious film. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, religion baffles me so much. And uh, I found it to be a very complex exploration of faith. Uh, the only thing that kind of held me back from fully embracing it is Andrew Garfield being in the lead role. I just, I don't know what it is about him. I can't pinpoint it, but there's something about him. It just, he He's like a manila folder. There's just nothing to him, and it irks me. I like him. He's so vanilla. It just drives me crazy. 
And another interesting thing is they play Portuguese priest, him and Driver. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, they're doing these Portuguese accents, which is, it's a bit odd. And Liam Neeson is supposed to be, you know, their teacher. He's also supposed to be Portuguese. He doesn't try at all. I was just going to say, no, I was going to say, there's <laughs> no way Liam Neeson's going to be doing that. He just does his voice, which made me realize that his career is very bizarre to me. Because when I was, you know, when we were in high school and stuff, he was like a serious big time actor that did like thespian stuff. Mm -hmm. Never watched any of his movies because you were just like, oh my God, they're so boring. And then he did Taken, which was kind of like, wow, he's doing an action movie? What the hell? And then he kind of became that character. And now that's all he can do. Like he just does Liam Neeson in every movie. Like he doesn't have another character. It's just Liam Neeson. He he said that the reason that he started doing those movies was because of his wife dying. And he said that he wanted to just do those types of movies to get his mind off of that, that type of stuff. And that that's what gave him, you know, joy. So he, I think he decided for, to change his career when, you know, when his wife passed away and, no, but it's just, it's just interesting to him to go back into, you know, occasionally go back into a serious movie. But it's just like, no, nah, I'm playing Liam Neeson from Taken. I'm not even going to try <laughs> like a serious portray. I'm just going to be Liam Neeson. And it doesn't. It's bad. It's bad. He's bad in this movie. I'm sorry. Um, but the actual. Well, and the other thing is Asano's in this, which I didn't know. Yeah. He plays yeah. like an interpreter. Which he shows up and you're just like, I know that guy. And he looks he looks just about the same. And there's even a one point where he's like, I'm gonna talk Portuguese to you so you can understand, but they just keep speaking English. I don't it's very bizarre. But the actual like religious stuff is uh really well handled, a lot of viewpoints, and it keeps like changing and shifting on you. Uh, everyone has their kind of like Garfield has his point of view driver has his Nisam has his asano has his and it just it really works the way that they have all of them play against each other you know for someone is that's not really into religion mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty complex i enjoyed it i was quite surprised well i might have to go check this out maybe i'll go this afternoon give it a look <laughs> clear out three hours in your schedule yeah that's the only thing it's like i don't know i might want to I might want to watch this in a home setting. Well, that's the thing that gets me. It's like the movie I see, you know, movies three hours, and it's like, doesn't Scorsese know that I have to piss at something? <laughs> he doesn't. Like, he doesn't care. He's like, hold it. Like, give me a break somewhere in there. Screw your kidneys. Hold it. Uh, the only <laughs> the only other one I saw was War Dogs. I'm still in my palate cleanser mode. This is this is one of those movies that just just flew by. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a mild interest in seeing this when it came out, but I was just like, eh, I don't feel like it. Uh, it's directed by Todd Phillips. Uh, tells the true story of these uh, two arms dealers, very young. They're in their 20s, and they became arms dealers, and uh, they, they, uh, they fucked up. They fucked up royally, and they both got in some pretty... Actually, you know, they didn't get in that much trouble at all. One of them was charged with seven months of house arrest and the other one went to prison for i think four years but i think he got out in like three (laughs) so wasn't it wasn't like they did they got in that much trouble for it but uh it takes place in the i think it starts in 2005 i want to say so this is when we're knee deep in the uh in wars both in afghanistan and iraq and these two young go-getters decide to get in on the arms trade and make a shitload of money. Uh, for some reason, the, the topic of arms dealing is one that, that interests me. I just find it fascinating to, to learn how interna- the international how arms works. trade works. Yeah, it's just so crazy that, to think that this is actually how it works. And because, yeah. you, you know, you don't think about the fact that our government has to get weapons and equipment and ammunition from from someone, you know, you just kind of, at least I just kind of thought that they made it themselves, you know? I mean, I knew that wasn't the case, but you just kind of think, well, they just, they get it. They probably have, you know, companies that, that do this. And it's like, it's not really how it works. It's just like any other contract 
where people or companies can bid on these massive amounts of weapons that our government's looking for. And if they get the bid, then they get the money, you know? So it's just, it's really interesting to see how that works. And, you know, this movie, I I thought it was okay. I didn't love it or anything, but I enjoyed it. It's definitely one of those cautionary tales, sort of like any other gangster movie or um, Lord of War comes to mind, certainly. But it was, uh, it was decent. Uh, Jonah Hill and Miles Teller did a really solid job. And it, it made me want to look up you know, the, 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 the story behind this movie. Because this is a true story. So yeah, made me do some research and read about these two people in real life. It's interesting. Miles Teller started as a, he was a masseuse. He was a massage therapist. And he went, and he went from massage therapist to gun runner. I have nothing else. That's it. I'm done. All right. Let's move on. Talk about some predictions. It's been a couple weeks since we did predictions, so we'll just start it off with next week. We have Triple X Return of Xander Cage. Watch out. This is the the third entry in the Triple X series. Nice. I have not seen a single Triple X movie. And, and I will not be seeing this one. There's just something about this series that just doesn't do it for me. Like, I just don't. Just no interest. It looks so cartoony that it's like, if I'm going to like, consume that type of entertainment, I'm just going to play a video game. Like, that's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not into it. I think that this movie's going to be pretty bad, so I'll say 36. Okay, I'm going to go with a 42. All right. We also have The Founder. This is the one with Michael Keaton about McDonald's. I'm actually interested in this. This, this seems like it, uh, it's going to be pretty good. Uh, oh, I guess it's my turn. I'm going to go with that 70, 73. All right. I'll say 72 on that one. Um, it's, oh, we have Split. This is the new M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Oh, God. There, there's something about this that just does not appeal to me at all. I hate movies that deal with... Because uh, it's, it's such a 90s movie. I know. I know. Like Identity and... Oh, any, any, movie, any movies that deal with uh, dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder, as it was formerly called. I mean, at called. least with this one, they, could, you know, they have it straight out from the beginning, like full disclosure. Oh yeah, like they, they, will, they don't hide it. <laughs> that's yeah, that's even worse. Like, it's not gonna be because that's that's the worst. It's having that twist at the end, and you're just like, "Are you kidding me? Give me a break!" Because you're almost at that point now where you're watching that type of film, and like halfway through, you're like, "If these turn out to all be the same fucking people, I'm gonna be so pissed off." Now this one, you know from it, so you get to be pissed off right from the beginning. Yeah, and he's apparently plays 24 different personalities. Yeah, but I like how the poster's like, he has 23 and 20. Like, that's the shtick of the movie is that he unveils the 24th personality, I guess. And that's the killer. Like we, should be, we should be really excited about the 24th. So do you think it's just going to be an entire movie of, like, character introduction going through the 23 personalities? Oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm probably not going to see it, so I don't, I'll say 68 I'm, yeah. on split. I'm going to say 10. All right. Uh, yeah, and uh, look, looking back, maybe I, maybe I rated that a little bit too too high. Uh, we also in I don't know if this is wide release or limited release. We're still in that kind of weird time where some things are expanding and some things are going limited. I don't know, but we have 20th century women. This is a fairly uh, high profile one. This is one with Annette Benning and uh, Greta Gerwig. Yeah, it's been talked about a lot. I think it was, uh, it was up for some Golden Globes. Uh, we have The Resurrection of Gavin Stone. Ooh, Gavin Stone coming back. Yeah, he's, he's making... Get, get excited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, I mean, we all know how everybody loves Gavin Stone. Of course, and finally, finally, he's back. Uh, the Red Turtle, uh, animated film. That, I'm... I want to see yeah, that. I heard nothing that but nothing but great things about that. Trespass Against Us. Uh, that's the one with uh, I think is it Brendan Gleeson in that? I think so. I'm sure. I think I'm pretty sure you're correct on that one. Detour. This is a crime thriller. It looks like, and, and I was I was 
hoping that it was just in the trailer that they did it, but I think maybe the whole movie is in some kind of like split screen type thing. Yeah, thank you. Stop. Don't do that. But but it could still be the tr- just the trailer. I I hope that it's just the trailer because <laughs> yeah. I, I'm interested in it if it doesn't use that method. If it if the whole movie is split screen, that's not going to work for me because that uh, there was uh, what was it, that one James Franco one that he did. It was that's all you, that's all you need to know. He had, it was a uh, he adapted some sort of American novel, but I can't remember which one it was the whole thing was in split screen oh yeah wasn't that was that a faulkner it it might have been the faulkner one but uh it that that didn't really work for me and this this one looks like it's gonna be again if it's the way that they show it in the trailer not gonna be good at all so anyway that's detour uh ty sheridan's in that oh that's not good i like ty sheridan why is he making bad choices like this i don't know I don't know. Yeah, it's just, he, he can make mistakes. He's young enough in his career to make, make a couple mistakes here and there. Uh, My Father Die looks like some sort of uh, grindhouse homage or something. Thank goodness. Need more I mean, of it's those. got a decent poster, but I have a feeling that the movie's probably going to be garbage. And that's really it. Oh, Starless Dreams and They Call Us Monsters also come out. It's got where it's like a wolf, wolf head. Mm-hmm. Looking at the, looking at this, my father died thing. Yeah, Find like a wolf head on the top of there. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a look. I think it, I think it comes out on VOD. <laughs> Speaking of VOD, on Tuesday we have a street cat named Bob. That sounds good. Yeah, I saw the poster for it. Uh, not not my thing. And then on Friday the twentieth we have Detour, my and my father die. Those are the two VOD releases next week. On Blu-ray, this is for January 17th, we have Bodyguards, Secret Lives from the Watchtower. It's a documentary about bodyguards for famous people. Okay. I don't know. I have mild interest in that. All the Resident Evil movies are getting re-released on Blu-ray in anticipation of the new one coming out. So if you're jonesing for some Resident Evil, they're now on Blu-ray. I might might check one of those out. I guess I should check out the first one. I don't think I've seen any of the Resident Evils. Uh, I've seen all of them. And here's the thing about those movies. They're terrible. Don't go into any of them expecting it to be a good movie. No, no, it just looks like they might be entertaining. But some of them, and, and I'll probably have to go back and rewatch some of these because this is definitely a series where all of the entries just bleed together. But there were, mm-hmm. there were a couple of them that I found to be entertaining in a kind of cheesy, mindless way. Nice. Uh, but I would say if you see any of them, just see the first one. Because if you... Gotcha. That's the best one of them all, and if you hate that one, then avoid the other ones. Gotcha. The, the other ones are very much more action-oriented over horror. The, the first one at least tries to be a horror movie, but it's nothing like the games, so don't expect it to have any kind of <laughs> similar tone or anything to the games. We've got Keeping Up with the Joneses. That's that comedy with Zach Galifianakis. It has a really terrible cover on the Blu-ray, uh, mm-hmm. and the movie... From what I hear is not very good. The Girl on the Train. Uh, I might check that one out. I had a mild interest in that one too. Ouija Origin of Evil. I would recommend that one. Death Race 2050. This is the sequel to the Roger Corman classic Death Race 2000. I'm actually pretty excited for this. I know it's going to be horrible, but this, is, this one's actually produced by Roger Corman. So this is straight up. Roger Corman in a sequel. It's got a cool cover. I'm a big fan of Death Race 2000, so I'll I'll be giving this one a look. That's going to be on VOD as well, I believe. Come and Find Me. This is the action movie with Aaron Paul, and that's pretty much it. Oh, Train to Busan. I would recommend that one. It's a really interesting. Uh, it's a zombie movie, but don't let that dissuade you. It's actually quite good. For good things about that one as well. Yeah, it's. It's solid. Uh, any Criterions next week? 
Oh, we got two Criterions. Uh-oh. We got Something Wild from 1961, directed by Jack Garfield, which looks, uh, that one looks really interesting. I'm really interested in this one. Uh, and the other one, which I have seen, is Fox and His Friends, Fossbender from 1975. Fossbender plays the main role. He ends up winning the lottery. He gets to jump up classes, and he finds out that it's not much to his liking. Mm. A lot of things, a lot of things happen. All sorts of stuff when you get that money and you get new friends. Okay. All right. Well, I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for just $1 a month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.